0: Chapter 8 of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 3, by Niccolo Machiavelli translated by ninian hill thompson chapter eight that he who would effect changes in a commonwealth must give heed to its character and condition i have said before that a bad citizen cannot work grave mischief in a commonwealth which has not become corrupted this opinion is not only supported by the arguments already advanced but is further confirmed by the examples of spurius cassius and manlius capitolinus for spurius being ambitious and desiring to obtain extraordinary authority in rome and to win over the people by loading them with benefits as for instance by selling them those lands which the romans had taken from the hernici his designs were seen through by the senate and laid him under such suspicion that when in haranguing the people he offered them the money realized by the sale of the grain brought from sicily at the public expense they would have none of it believing that he offered it as the price of their freedom now had the people been corrupted they would not have refused this bribe but would have opened rather than closed the way to the tyranny the example of manlius is still more striking for in his case we see what excellent gifts both of mind and body and what splendid services to his country were afterwards cancelled by that shameful eagerness to reign which we find bred in him by his jealousy of the honors paid camillus for so darkened did his mind become that without reflecting what were the institutions to which rome was accustomed or testing the material he had to work on, when he would have seen that it was still unfit to be moulded to evil ends, he set himself to stir up tumults against the Senate, and against the laws of his country. And herein we recognise the excellence of this city of Rome, and of the materials whereof it was composed, for although the nobles were wont to stand up stoutly for one another, not one of them stirred to succour manlius and not one of his kinfolk made any effort on his behalf so that although it was customary in the case of other accused persons for their friends to put on black and sordid raiment with all the other outward signs of grief in order to excite pity for the accused none was seen to do any of these things for manlius even the tribunes of the people though constantly ready to promote whatever courses seemed to favor the popular cause and the more vehemently the more they seemed to make against the nobles in this instance sided with the nobles to put down the common enemy nay the very people themselves keenly alive to their own interests and well disposed towards any attempt to damage the nobles though they showed manliest many proofs of their regard nevertheless when he was cited by the tribunes to appear before them and submit his cause for their decision assumed the part of judges and not of defenders and without scruple or hesitation sentenced him to die wherefore i think that there is no example in the whole roman history which serves so well as this to demonstrate the virtues of all ranks in that republic for not a man in the whole city bestirred himself to shield a citizen endowed with every great quality, and who, both publicly and privately, had done so much that deserved praise. But in all, the love of country outweighed every other thought, and all looked less to his past deserts than to the dangers which his present conduct threatened, from which to relieve themselves they put him to death such says livius was the fate of a man worthy of our admiration had he not been born in a free state and here two points should be noted the first that glory is to be sought by different methods in a corrupt city and in one which still preserves its freedom the second which hardly differs from the first that in their actions and especially in matters of moment men must have regard to times and circumstances and adapt themselves thereto for those persons who from an unwise choice or from natural inclination run counter to the times will for the most part live unhappily and find all they undertake issue in failure whereas those who accommodate themselves to the times are fortunate and successful and from the passage cited we may plainly infer that had manlius lived in the days of marius and when the body of the state had become corrupted so that he could have impressed it with the stamp of his ambition he might have had the same success as they had and as those others had who after them aspired to absolute power and conversely that if Scylla and marius had lived in the days of manlius they must have broken down at the very beginning of their attempts for one man by mischievous arts and measures may easily prepare the ground for the universal corruption of a city but no one man in his lifetime can carry that corruption so far as himself to reap the harvest or granting that one man's life might be long enough for this purpose it would be impossible for him having regard to the ordinary habits of men who grow impatient and cannot long forego the gratification of their desires to wait until the corruption was complete moreover men deceive themselves in respect of their own affairs and most of all in respect of those on which they are most bent so that either from impatience or from self-deception they rush upon undertakings for which the time is not ripe, and so come to an ill end. Wherefore, to obtain absolute authority in a commonwealth, and to destroy its liberties, you must find the body of the state already corrupted, and corrupted by a gradual wasting, continued from generation to generation, which indeed takes place necessarily unless as has been already explained the state be often reinforced by good examples or brought back to its first beginnings by wise laws manlius therefore would have been a rare and renowned man had he been born in a corrupt city and from his example we see that citizens seeking to introduce changes in the form of their government whether in favour of liberty or despotism ought to consider what materials they have to deal with and then judge of the difficulty of their task for it is no less arduous and dangerous to attempt to free a people disposed to live in servitude than to enslave a people who desire to live free. And because it has been said above that in their actions men must take into account the character of the times in which they live, and guide themselves accordingly, I shall treat this point more fully in the following chapter. End of chapter 8.